You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive, exclusive, exclusive recap series of Third Watch, the greatest television show in the history of uh, television. I say that every week, but because it's true. Uh, we are into the third season now. Can you believe we're in the third season? Uh, the second episode, uh, entitled September 10th, this first aired on October 22nd, 2001, was written by one of the co-creators, Mr. John Wells, and directed by our bestie, Guy Norman B. And uh, obviously, we're very much, um, you know, still in September 11 mode here, and kind of, we've had our non-fiction version last week, and this is sort of the fictionalised version of things in related to the Third Watch universe. So, a very uh, interesting, unique episode here, a uh, very sombre episode, but, you know, we've got a lot to talk about here right now, of course. My name is Ben, and it uh, can't be that time of the month. Your uniform is too loose. Whew, Bosco. <laughs> no. I don't. Hello, my name's Brandy, and do you recommend a German chocolate cake? <laughs> <laughs> what up? My name's Darvell, and... Yeah, watching you puke on the beach has been one of my lifelong fantasies. Oh, well, I'm glad I could help you out there. Um, I don't know if you'd... It might be why my uniform's so loose. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, well, I'd marry you. time of the month. Um, anyway, um, for, for such a somber episode and kind of one that's sort of, you know, very serious, um, there's a few light moments in this episode, but... Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a, an interesting... So we talked so much last week about how, you know... In their own words, very unique, and obviously how much 9-11 affected this show, and kind of, you know, there was really no show that this affected more, as in a fictional show, than Third Watch. Um, so it was always going to be a case of what were they going to do, sort of, in this side of, you know, things. And obviously, as Skip Sardis says in their own words about, like, you know, we wanted to do something before we went back to telling our fictional stories. So, I mean, this is kind of... You know, the first nine, first eight episodes are sort of loosely affected by 9-11. I mean, we kind of, the first two episodes, you would argue here, uh, well, technically the second and third episode, you know, are, are vastly affected by it. And then obviously it kind of, you know, fluctuates throughout the episodes. But I mean, you know, the key thing really moving forward here, as I mentioned last episode, is the fact that, you know, like the introduction is not played until episode nine. So, you know, we've got sort of the on-screen um, credits and everything along here. So, I mean, this is just a unique episode. I think it's, it's beautifully done and... I think, um, you know, I remember, I've sort of teased this a little bit, but I remember this being promoted heavily here in Australia, um, you know, kind of just tied around September 11 and everything along those lines. And just a lot of the quotes that are sort of in these episodes that they sort of showed in the promos, like the, the bit where, you know, Doc and Carlos are at the door and Doc says that line of like, we're paramedics, ma'am. Uh, and then, you know, the line when Fred's like, because you don't have cancer. And just, you know, just like the things that were sort of like, you know, so used in the promos here. I just remember them very well. But um yeah, this is this is a deep episode. It's a powerful episode. Brandy, I don't know if you sort of remember sort of seeing this one for the first time or anything around it. I don't remember. I remember, don't remember the first time I seen it, but I do remember like just the scenes themselves. And like I will say, like one of my favorite scenes is towards the ending with Faith getting into the car, and, mm-hmm. and so I do remember that scene like very clear. Yeah, for sure. And Tavel, I mean, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit about how, like, you know, were they going to do this? Were they going to, like, sort of show them, you know, going out and responding to the attacks and kind of how they would work around? And I kind of think I I maybe expect that. I remember watching this, you know, thinking, like, oh, is that how they're going to do it? But, um, yeah, I don't know, sort of, if you remember too much, Tavel, when you kind of watched this and kind of your thoughts on how they were going to handle it. Well, um, when I watched it, I didn't really realize that the episode was going to end with them all responding to the call until the part where 
Kim's mom calls her, and all you hear her saying is turn on the TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minute I heard that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is them responding to 9-11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 beautifully done, and like it's kind of it's one of these ones that kind of maybe at the time I didn't necessarily sort of like what they did, but again I'm 14 watching this for the first time, you know, so I'm stupid and have dumb opinions. Um, some people would say I still do these days, but that's a different story. But um, yeah, I mean I think it's just so beautifully done. As I said, like th- there's no way they can avoid it in the show like this. Um, you know, as John Wells has said, he didn't want to glorify this. Um, you know, and things all like that. So I think kind of just the way they handle this and. It's just so well shot. It's so well executed. And it's also the case that kind of, as we keep mentioning, is that clearly they would have filmed something with Premiere in mind, you know, and these sort of things were only filmed kind of on the fly. I mean, there might have been some of these scenes that were done before 9-11 and they could just tie them in, you know, well with the episode. Um, And I think moving forward that kind of some of these episodes that follow this, maybe they kind of fell in a little bit more earlier. Like, you know, maybe like I, I kind of you know, jumping ahead here a few episodes for the relay, I kind of felt like that had almost like a premiere vibe about it. Maybe the relay was initially going to be the premiere of season three or something like that. So, you know, little things like that, that kind of, you know, maybe we can talk about along the way. But you got to think that, as I said, like this aired uh, sort of right at the end of October and with 9-11 happening, you know, barely a month beforehand. I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's not unprecedented for sort of drama shows to kind of film within a month and have them aired, but generally they'd sort of done months in advance, you know, so they've got time to edit them and make mm-hmm. sure they're beautifully crafted and all that sort of stuff. So you kind of got to give props to production here, uh, you know, in filming this. The fact that, you know, 9-11 happens September 11, they're not going to film it like the next day. They're not going to like, shit, there's been a terrorist attack, everybody, get to your table, read, everybody, let's come up with this story. You know, even give a week afterwards. Say they're not, you know, filming this to the, you know, end of September, beginning of October. The fact that then this airs October 22nd, they've probably got this filmed and, you know, edited and put to air within a month of all this happening. So I just kind of think for the, the amount of time you've, you've got to assume it took them to put all this together, it's such a great episode. So I just wanted to point that out at the beginning, uh, just sort of like a random thing. And this is why if we ever get Guy Norman B on the show, uh, you know, we've had obviously a brief conversation with the man, but, you know, I'd love to sort of hear, uh, you know, the directing standpoint of this episode. So, uh, I mean, Brandy, I don't know, like if you, I mean, we're going to get into this story. I'm kind of just, you know, going around in circles here in terms of just this episode, but I mean, you know, it's, 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 again, similar to last week. It's a unique episode. Not quite as unique as last week, I guess. But, uh, you know, this is definitely one I should say that you do remember. Well, no. The only thing I, like, really, like, talking about, like, how it's, like, it was filmed in a month. I was wondering, I was like, was it, is it very common to have, like, a storyline filmed that soon after something like that happens? Or was Third Watch, like, one of the shows that only did it that soon? Because I know some shows, like Law & Order SVU, won't touch a, a, an event until, like, months later. Yeah. And so I wonder if that was, like, common or if that was just Third Watch that did that. The only, was, very the only one that I know that is renowned for doing it quickly, and it's different because it's an animated show. I know yeah. South Park kind of has about a two-week turnaround in terms of, like, they're, okay. they're renowned. Nice. You know, Matt Stone and Trey Parker are very oh, much pre- you know, tr- renowned for getting things off, mm-hmm. you know, straight away. So that's why, like, if you ever yeah. watch South Park, it feels very relevant because it's basically only a couple of weeks old. Um, but- family Guy. Yeah, well, Family Guy and Simpsons are a little bit different. Like, they do kind of do it, but they, they take longer. But, but, like, yeah, South Park's just kind of famous for their quick turnaround in terms of getting events done. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, Saturday Night Live and shows like that, but they're live shows, so obviously they can get around. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, like, scripted sort of. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, from my knowledge, is it's not that common. Um, and that's why I think it's kind of, it's very clever the way they do this. You know, because it's not like nine exactly. eleven happened in the middle of the year, like three months before TV season started. 
you know, it's kind of like they would have had to scramble so much to get something on the table. So, um, yeah, I mean, they could have taken the easy route. They could have gone like, oh, okay, well, we won't address this till halfway through the season. So, like, you know, uh, we're just going to follow on straight from, you know, and Zeus wept. But this is kind of what we were talking about in Zeus wept. Like, there's obviously a bit of time that passes between and Zeus wept and this, because clearly this is happening. This is maybe the only time we ever officially know the exact date and year that Third Watch is on. Um, I mean, you might argue some other sort of things they mentioned, like Thanksgiving and things like that. But, you know, this is, you know, pretty much accurate in terms of the fact that we've got the date. We've got like this football game at the beginning, which was an actual football game they're talking about and kind of, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah. I mean, David, I don't know if you kind of have anything to add on, on what we're just talking about there. <laughs> No, not really. No, all right. Well, we'll get into the beginning, and like, <laughs> it's kind of interesting with some of this in terms of what we can talk about because, you know, it basically starts off. It's, I mean, it's called September tenth, and clearly we get the, you know, the graphic on screen. We're on September tenth, so kind of just showing, um, you know, what our what our main group are up to. Uh, clearly, in the sort of the lead up to what's going to happen the next day, and this is why I just really like it's so well done this episode because it just it doesn't feel OTT like they're just really forcing it down your throat like they have to. You know, it's just so craft and you just feel like it's so natural and like what these people would be up to so and even just the way this starts like we get kind of this soft music um you know we don't get any introduction for the show we've got the main cast up on screen in credits and can i just point out as well even though he's not on like the actual credits credits but this is the first episode that chris bauer is officially credited as main cast so, um, just thought I would point that one out there. Uh, he's always been a guest star until this point. He's officially a, a main build uh, cast member of Third Watch at this point. So, we're up to 10 again. So, congratulations, Chris. Bravo to Chris Bauer. He does fluctuate, though. Chris doesn't remain there permanently. He does kind of go on and off those credits. It's kind of like Bonnie Dennison does the same, too. So, I know there's rules around that in terms of pay and the union and stuff. So, obviously, they were sort of on some sort of floating contract. Um... But, yeah, I, I like kind of just this start. They're watching the game of football, sort of obviously here on September 10th. And I looked this up. This was an actual game of football. Uh, it did kick off the season. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, against the Denver Broncos. They do lose 31-20, to 20, as you'll hear that drunken guy sort of say uh, in the, the police station when Bosco's trying to avoid it. And I'm just reading here that um, the, the it, was, it was in Denver, but the, um, the, the Giants actually returned to Newark only hours before 9-11 started. So, um, like, all the attacks. So, they just got back just sort of for all that. But um, the, I don't know if either of you picked up on the little sort of reference there. We've talked a lot about, uh, in honour last season, obviously the NFL star that was in that episode, Jason Seahorn. Uh, if you actually listen to DK and Walsh, I can't remember which one, but they say something about Seahorn. They're like, oh, yeah, Seahorn. You know, like, he, he like what the hell is Seahorn doing or something like that? Because he was playing for the Giants at the time, so I thought that was a kind of nice little reference. I don't know if either of you picked on picked up on that. No, actually, I think I missed it. Oh uh, yeah, me it's like a real like I think that's the first time I've ever like realized. Because I mean, clearly, as we went over and on, I didn't even realize he was an NFL player. But sort of now that I heard that name, and they're like, "Oh, what is Seahorn doing?" I'm like, "Hey, it's the dude who actually was in Third Watch, like you know, a few episodes ago." <laughs> so kind of a nice little interesting yeah. little Easter egg there, I guess. Um, but, yeah, we've got just kind of this nice little scene. They're just chilling around the firehouse. Uh, Jimmy's laying down. We hear that Joey's been sick, puking all over the bed. And we obviously, uh, you know, he's been looking after him. We find out Kim's not doing too well. So, you know, that's a bit sad. Um, yeah. uh, then we get, um, what are we up to here? 
Um, what am I looking? I can't even... Oh, is this, this straight into the uh, the Bosco scene, or have we got Carlos and Doc first? I don't... I'm dumb. Bosco scene, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, oh. I me thinking, I was like, wait, isn't it the Bosco scene? Yeah, it is. No, you're right. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> welcome to the Oz Network. Well, we're so professional, we can't even read our own notes. Um, yes, <laughs> we're straight into... <laughs> I love this show, clearly, Ben. You just know it back to front. Yes. Try t- Go ahead, Darbell. Try keeping that... Try trying to hold on to all this in your head so that you can... <laughs> this is why I write notes, because I'm just dumb. Um, so, yeah, we've got the cake scene. I mean, again, like, for such a serious, like, you know, emotional episode... Uh, it's like we've got a few like really good light scenes here. So you know, Bosco randomly <laughs> in the bakery wanting a cake. You know, and I just love the way he's like, "Oh, is this fresh? No, it's three weeks old." The way the customers like it, <laughs> like Dick shop attendant guy. <laughs> he's hilarious. Uh, I love that man. Uh, and then just like you know, Yoko's going off at him. Um, and then he's kind of like talking about, you know, the fact like, oh, I can't believe I have to work and, you know, it's Giants night and he's sort of like talking about how the fact that he's going to go home and, you know, tape it and, uh, have a beer at midnight and all this sort of stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, I mentioned this a bit last season about how I like it when these, um, you know, contest, uh, contestants, the, the characters have, you know, mentioned about their real life, like sporting teams and everything like that. So, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about Bosco's and Nick's fan. We randomly found out he was an Islanders fan. So now he's a Giants fan. So, um, he doesn't really follow the, the trend of New York sporting teams and the fact that generally if you go for the, uh, the Knicks and the Giants, you would go for the Rangers in the hockey and not the Islanders, but okay, well, you know, Bosco's a little bit different. Fair enough. Um, yep. so we obviously get Faith is a little bit kind of, you know, uh, not exactly happy chappy. And this is where Bosco has that great line of can't be, you know, that time in the month, the uniform is too loose. Um, and something you could not get away with today. No, no, there's a few things in these episodes coming up that really do like scream of you could not get away with this today. Um, we find out that Sully's getting married. Um, he's off, uh, yes, I, don't, indeed. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily straight away mention he's in Atlantic City, but they just say he's getting married. And I just kind of like this random bit here where, you know, oh, you know, you didn't get invited or whatever. And Yoko's like, you don't even like Sully. And he's like, yeah, sure. I like Sully. <laughs> like, it's just kind of random. <laughs> you know, it was just like, <laughs> do they like each other? Um, but then he's kind of like, you know, well, Davis is there. We've been working with him longer than Davis. So, you know, just kind of like bitter Bosco. Um, yeah. And so I just love, I love Bosco. Um, then we're, so we're in the casino. We've got Davis playing, you know, poker machines because why not? Um, Sully drinking beer. We find out he's getting married tomorrow. We've got, uh, all the Ukrainians, apparently half of Eastern Europe's on his credit card. Um, and Davis wants to take him out for strippers. He's like, I'm 44 years old. I don't want to go get drunk in strippers. And Dave's like, well, I do. Um, so <laughs> find out they got tickets to the Pointer Sisters. Um, and what does Davis say? Like, you don't want to be the only man in America getting married without a hangover. Uh, and then I just love Sully's line. And I want you, I'm going to say this, Darby, and I need you to do it in a Sully voice. We're back by 1 a.m. Okay. And nobody touches me. <laughs> say it again. We're back by 1 a.m. And nobody touches me. Okay. <clears throat> All right, we're back by 1 a.m. and nobody touches me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, so good. 
I just love, you know, David. Can we just point out, we're going to get to more of this episode. Davis is a horrible drunk. He cannot hold his liquor. Like, this is the second episode. <laughs> yeah, in it's the like space we saw of, that in season two. Yeah, this is the second episode in the space of, like, 20 episodes that we've seen Davis just, like, puke and not handle his liquor. Like, <laughs> it's really random with Davis because, like, we talk about, like, Bobby goes nowhere. I kind of do feel like Davis really hasn't had much to do since the ties that bind and when he was at the funeral. He's just kind of almost like a Carlos comedy fodder for a lot of the time, Davis, but he'll get some stuff this season. Um, yep. But, yeah, anyway, um, by all means, like, if you guys have any, do you have anything to talk about sort of these opening few scenes here or we just quickly jello over the Carlos bit here too? I mean, there's kind of, they're just all kind of like little stop-start quick scenes really at the beginning of this episode. So I don't know if, Brandy, you've yeah. got anything to sort of add on these ep- scenes at all? No, not really. So I just want some cake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look good. That cake looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got a cake, I've got a cake craving too. Yeah. Except I don't eat chocolate cake. Oh, what's your, what's your, what's your poison, Darvell? What's your, what cake uh, do you like? Yeah, just regular old, just regular old vanilla cake. Oh yeah. With what? With white icing. Pretty lame, I know, yeah. but hey. It's what I like. Some of the some of the most interesting things and delicious things in the world are boring and plain. Like you know, like I don't get why people are like oh it's just so vanilla. That's offensive. Vanilla's great. I love vanilla. It's one of my favorite flavors. So, you know. Yep. Yeah, my son joined the dark side. He wants vanilla too. I like. I'm oh. just kidding. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chocolate person, but he likes vanilla. So. I like yep. um good oh, vanilla milkshake. Yum. Good. Oh, oh! If we're talking milkshakes and ice cream, strawberry baby. Oh, strawberry, strawberry baby. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so uh, Carlos and Doc are chilling in the ambulance. Uh, Carlos wants it, you know, it to be busy. It's kind of like there are a few things I will say in this episode though that are a little bit on the cringe side. Like you know, Carlos complaining like, "Oh, I hate it slow," and the way Doc's like. Oh, I'll order a tragedy for you. It's kind of like, hmm, like I know what you're doing, but like it's. But uh, 24 hours from now, you're going to be wishing you hadn't said that. Yeah, there's just so many like things in this that are just kind of like you know when they're in the firehouse later on. It's like, oh, it's such a beautiful day today. Like, oh, it's been so quiet. Like, it's kind of like, come on. Like, well, it, that that day did start off as. A no, few, I, as I absolutely know it, it did, but. Yeah, we'll point a few of that. I don't want to take away from this episode because it's such a great episode. Um, but I just kind of like this back and forth. So we find out that Doc has obviously moved out of his dad's apartment and he's got his own apartment and, uh, you know, he's going to fix it up himself. Now, my question here, and again, is I don't know if there's different laws in America or something, or maybe it's a New York thing. I don't know. Like, are we implying that Doc's bought this apartment? Because, like... He surely couldn't do renovations to this apartment without, you know, the the landlord or the super's permission. Like, I mean, I've rented houses, right? And I can't do yeah, it. You, know, you need the real estate's permission. I can't just go in and start hammering in the walls. So, are we assuming Doc I mean, owns this? Well, anymore, even if you own something, a lot of times you have to go through these lame ass homeowner associations here in the U.S. And God, they fucking suck. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, if he's renting that out, I'm no expert, but I do find it hard to believe that he could just say, "Oh, yeah, I'm fixing this place up. I won't even consult the landlord or the super or the so super he, or whatever." I reckon he's bought. Probably, it. Yeah, I've got to but think. He I would. think so because like how it's so messed up. I'm thinking he bought it because that's what people usually do. Is like if it's really messed up, they get that cheap price and fix it up. Because I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't make sense to me that. I mean, we know he kind of stayed in his dad's apartment because, obviously, with Morales, but, like, he also talked about how the rent was cheap. And, like, if the rent is so cheap, and, like, sure, you might argue, like, oh, it's a big place, why does he need that much space? But, like, 
you know, I'm sure maybe he'd want to stay there, but again, it could be a case of, oh, there's too many memories there with his dad and Morales now, so he needs to get a new place. So I'm not saying it's a plot hole, but I mean, I'm just, I just think that he would have surely bought it. I just think that would make more sense that he's bought this apartment. Yeah. So, um, that's just like a little red, a really random nitpick. But I, I do like the fact here that Carlos is having this conversation where he's like, you know, oh, is it cast iron or is it copper? Like, is it lead paint? And, you know, he docks you like, oh, I'm not planning on doing that much. And, you know, and then Carlos is obviously kind of saying like, oh, this might take a year maybe or two. And Doc's kind of like, oh, it won't take that long. Just remember this, people, because when we get to season five, Doc's still living in this apartment and there's really not much done to it. So, like, can we just remember this point from this point on, you know, the tragedy of Doc moving forward and he's a poor little apartment. He doesn't really do much to it. So, um, yeah. So noted. Yeah, I just kind of like that. That It's a nice little moment there that kind of you remember. But um, I like sort of, you know, they get the call and, you know, Carlos, oh, granny with an inhaler. You know, sort of talking there. You wanted to be busy. But we get this great <laughs> shot, and I'm assuming this is, like, stock footage that they've used, they've filmed in the past that they finally do use here. Either that or they've, you know, CGI'd them in after, which I'd find rare. But, like, we get this brief little shot of an am- the ambulance turning around, and you get the briefest glimmer of the Twin Towers. Um, so, I'm assuming this is stock footage that they've filmed in the past and they've finally been able to use, but I don't know. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's the only time you actually see the Twin Towers in this episode. It's a real blink and you miss it moment, but, um, I think it's a nice little scene for you to at least kind of just quickly see yeah. them. Um, so anyway. For the last time. Yeah. So, we, we get, then pulling up, we see the time on the screen, 11.20 PM and Carlos is kind of like, oh, you know, it's 11.20, we could just leave this for the next shift. And they're obviously, like, you know, talking about the fact that, you know, they're not going to get out of here till, like, 1 a.m. because, you know, by the time they get into the hospital and do all the paperwork and everything. And Carlos has this, like, interesting little conversation about, like, oh, so if a a truck, you know, dropped a bag of money, you know, $400,000, would you keep it? And, again, this is kind of like another thing, because we get an episode of this, don't we? Is it in this season or next season where the money truck crashes? I think it's next season, isn't it? Season four. Yeah, so, like... Yeah, season season four, episode 19. Mm-hmm. So there's actually an episode where this kind of happens. So like it's it's kind of interesting. I wonder if like they scripted this and then they kind of like wrote it down. Like John Wells is like, oh, that could be a good idea for a storyline. Like note that down. Maybe we'll revisit that in the future. Um, so we obviously get them going upstairs and we get to this lady and this is that that as I said that line that was in so many promos here in Australia. Like paramedics, ma'am. And then it's just I like the fact that they ring on the door and then they kind of like you know ring again. Who is it? <laughs> and she's just like we we kind of we get a similar scene to this in a few episodes of time uh when Bosco and Yokus are like going to to the house and they kind of like ding on the board and then all of a sudden they get like a, another who is it it's like you just let us in who do you think it is um, it's kind of funny <laughs> and this woman i've been a little dizzy Oh, what have you eaten today? Oh, I had some toast, a little chicken broth. Well, what about a meal? Have you had some fish? Have you had some steak? Like, I don't know. I just kind of like it. I just yeah, like Carlos rolling his eyes. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and, you know, Carlos like, oh, what do you want to order this? You want to order that? Like, just dick Carlos moment. Um, mm-hmm. we got Bosco back at the, uh, the precinct and, you know, getting ready for his, uh, you know, watching the game and kind of, I love like Yoke is in the background, like, oh, he's taped the game. You got these two cops who are just basically like, you know, oh, what a game. And they're all just like, oh, <laughs> just a mess. can you believe? And then just Bosco here and he's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't see you. I can't hear you. I can't see oh, you all say, can you see? 
Oh, so good. Jason Wiles is amazing. And I just love how he walks out here. And actually, no, hang on. I do love Yokus's line. What can I say? He's kind of an idiot. <laughs> Yokus just being a dick. And then as um, Bosco's leaving, we've got a drunken Denver fan walking in. 3120, Giants suck. Giants suck. <laughs> and just a look on Bosco's face. He's like, Fucking hell. I've been there. With, I, I don't know, like, you know, I know you kind of both like sport, mm-hmm. but like, have you ever been in a moment where you been don't want to spoil a sporting game and like you've just somebody's dropped you a score or something? I've done that. It's, it's so annoying. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Man. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> so, there isn't a sports fan in the world who hasn't been there. Sully and Davis <laughs> are at a strip club. Um, <laughs> it's kind of not really a lot here to talk about. Um, you know, it's a nice little scene. Sully's getting a lap dance. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Lucky man. Um, then we randomly get um firehouse scene where the, you know, these Joe, again, me stupidly last season saying Joe's not in season three, but here he is. Uh, DK, and they're talking about going to Jamaica. Cool. I just, I, I do kind of like random, like, DK Walsh and Joe scene, like, you know, this is what this is what lacks from the firefighters, like, moving on. Like, post-Jimmy, uh, you know, and it kind of happens with Jimmy as well. Like, they do sort of eventually forget about Jimmy again, like they did in season one. But, like, as soon as Jimmy leaves, like, the firefighters are just so obsolete in this show. Like, there's just not a thing at all. So, um, just, if you're a big fan of the firefighters, don't kind of get too attached. Um, sort of season six, I think they get one episode, don't they, where they focus on the firefighters? Is that one where that actor guy comes in, doesn't he? And he's all like, you know, yes. oh, yeah, um, yeah. But th- then they come, they do come back in the series finale, though. Yeah, true, true. And um, there's that young firefighter who, who is that guy? Like, he, does he? Is he even memorable? Like, we we meet, you know, Finney and Grace and Holly. Like, kind of introduce a few new sort of people, but Stu, yeah, Stu. I think you're thinking of Stu. And they call him Z's because I, I don't think any of them can pronounce his last name. Yeah, he's just but so random. He has a bunch of Z's in it. He's like the most random sort of person who, I mean, he's never on the main cast, but he's kind of like credited as like, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say it here. Stu Lotterzies Szezeszki. Something like that. Played by the esteemed Jason Shaw. Uh, he's somebody we could probably get on the show. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> so, how many episodes is he so in? What are, so, what are you implying? Are you implying that the lesser known they are, the more likely we are to get him on the show? He's only in four episodes. There you go. <laughs> like, I mean, wow. They really do not give a shit about the firefighters um, post-season five. Um, and this is a guy. So, hang on. Jason Shaw has not acted since 2010. So, since Third Watch... He's done, like, a TV movie, some random movie. He was in three episodes of Charmed, uh, and then he was in, like, two other movies, and then he's just given up. So, <laughs> wow. I know we're, like, five seasons away from yeah. this. Well, actually, no, three seasons away from we're closer than I think, Ben. Um, but just remember, Jason Shaw, the esteemed Stu Lotterzies firefighter. Anyway, um, my point is, I like random little scenes here with DK. I like DK and Walsh. They're, they're cool. Um, and we know a little bit more about them now, don't we, that we saw them in, in their own words. Like, they're a bit more real to us, I feel, after last week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yes. can you imagine yes. how this would have been for them? Like, I mean, I kind of think out of all the people in this, um, you know, between them and Molly Price, this must have been a weird experience to film these scenes. Because, like, 
they've experienced this more so than anybody on this show, besides like the technical advisors and everyone. Um, so I mean, just like you know, Walsh is an actual lieutenant. So, you know, I don't know. It just feels kind of... you got to think about how they're feeling about doing these scenes. You know, I don't know. It's kind of a bit weird. No, mm, they might have had, like, some input on the show. I mean... Oh, guaranteed they would have had that. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I think it would have been, like, weird, but they, the producers or the people on the set, the writers would have probably made it, like, comfortable. Like, is this okay if we put this in? I mean, so it's not as weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that sort of stuff at the end and kind of how they handle it sort of, you know, full on. But um, so um, we find out Jimmy likes chamomile tea. Uh, unlike Bosco last season, who dismissed it as sensitive new age crap. Jimmy's all down for that shit. <laughs> um, Jimmy Jimmy really has calmed down, has he not? Can we just like, we mentioned that, like after the whole Brooke situation when he was a dick, he really does calm down, Jimmy. So um, He does. And Kim, I mean... I actually like this side of Jimmy. Yeah. Like in this episode, like he's actually like a man. He's grown. This is why. <laughs> this is what Leanne yeah. Rhymes fell in love with, isn't it? Like, <laughs> could be. Why don't we ask her? Yeah, I'm sure we could get her on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> Have a lot better yeah, chance of getting Eddie Cibrian on than Leanne Rhymes. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but between the whole Brooke thing and then Bobby dying, I yeah, I think that had those two things not happened. Jimmy might not have changed. True, yeah. Absolutely. And in Kim's attempted suicide, I think that also, like, Joey almost lost a parent. Yeah. Because I think kind of as we touched on last season, I'm pretty sure we only see him kind of, like, randomly sleep with one more person moving forward now uh, on the episode where he kind of crashes that motorbike and has, like, that big pile up on the bridge. So, um, I mean, again, off the top of my head, that's the only random extra woman we'll ever see Jimmy with moving forward. So... Um, yeah, he's a definitely a changed man, uh, from this point on. Um, so... Hey, Jimmy. Yeah, go Jimmy. But it's a shame they just kind of forget about him again at one point. So we obviously get the... We get a call out. They've got to... They get the alarm out. And obviously, um, it's kind of the, the ongoing thing here with the firehouse at the moment. They keep getting, uh, prank calls, uh, obviously for this one place. So, um, there's that. Uh, then we kind of get this sad scene where poor old Kim's still just sitting up and she's just not good and... Her mum's calling, and uh, she's just—it's just sad, you know. Like, and it's—it's it's weird, like, to say good acting here by Kim Ray because she's literally just sitting there staring out a window. But like, I mean, you just feel for her. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just the music and just everything about it. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Poor, poor, yeah. poor Kim. Um, uh, just back up as well. Like, I want to—I missed the line there. I think it's Walsh. When they like get that call and they're like, "Oh, maybe there's really a fire this time," and it's like, "Yeah, J Lo cooked me breakfast this morning." <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that line. <laughs> I don't like that line. Um, they show up to the fire. There's no fire, so again, they've been pranked. Um, then we get uh, back to the Yokus household, and Fred's woken up. It's about two in the morning, and Yokus is just reading the pamphlets. And this is where we get that line of, you know, Fred, like, "Cause you don't have cancer," and like, obviously. She's all worried about, and Fred's Mr. Positive. Um, you know, I mean... Mr. Denial, more like. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Um, but, like, look, I mean, being... Having lived through a similar situation, kind of, with my mum and kind of my dad's outlook on things, like, my dad was very much Fred in that situation. Like, oh, things will be fine. Like, I guess you kind of need someone like that. Um, yeah. I'm not that person, so, like... I'm never going to be Mr. Sunshine and positive in that outlook. But, um, yeah, I guess it kind of, you know, you kind of need that. Um, 
But yeah, like Chris Bauer, first first uh, you know episode where he's like main cast, and you know he he acts very well. As we obviously you know we've never said that Chris Bauer's not a good actor, so uh, plays off plays off Molly well. Um, we get the bar scene here where kind of we get Bosco obviously mentioning ESU for the first time and sort of that will be a big storyline this season with Bosco wanting to move forward and kind of go to ESU. Um, and yeah, kind of, uh, obviously going on about, um, you know, what's he going to do and, uh, how's he going to get there? And these other two random cops are just sort of saying like, Oh, it's shit. You know, you get paid the same and all sort of stuff. And, uh, then Bosco's randomly getting flirted with by a random girl at the end of the bar. Um, then these two cops are like, I'm going home to, you know, have sex with my Jenny Craig before photo hot or something like that. <laughs> I like when they're just talking about, uh, Tatiana and they're like, oh, so Sullivan's getting married. Is she hot? Um, yeah, Playboy Bunny, Playboy Bunny Moscow branch hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Savannah Hask is pretty attractive. She I would is. Imagine, yeah, so. she, she definitely is. Very much so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of like nice little see here. Bosco's having a one night stand. So, um, sure. I don't think we've ever really seen this with Bosco before. So that's kind of, you know, cool. Um, so anyway, uh, from there, we, again, by all means, please jump in if, uh, either of you want to talk about any of these scenes. Um, three o'clock in the morning or so here, the alarms go off, the, the fire crew are off ready to go and back to this alarm again. Jimmy's finally asleep. Um, can I just point out that, like, obviously, we know the third watch shift is, like, what, 3, 3.30 to, like, 11, 11.30, but obviously, like, the firefighters are kind of a little bit different from that, because they obviously have their overnight shifts, so, you know, here they are with their overnight shifts, so, um, I don't know if, like, kind of, you sort of, either of you notice that, but, like, at the meantime, back to Atlantic City, here's everybody's favourite alcoholic, Davis, vomiting again, uh, <laughs> just, does it not bring you back memories of him vomiting in Bobby's car? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bobby. I'm Ty, and this is Al. Yeah. Al the firewoman. <laughs> the best bit of that whole thing, you know. <laughs> oh, I just feel bad. And then Bobby in the background, you should feel bad. <laughs> Disgusting! <laughs> is this egg? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. We miss you, Bobby. Oh, hashtag rip Bobby. Um... So, I just like, this is a nice little scene, though, between Davis and Sally. And again, this is like another one of these random scenes that I'm sure it's scripted, but again, I hope they just had a bit of creative freedom because it just feels so natural between Kobe Bell and Skip Sutter here, the way they're kind of playing off each other. Um, and <laughs> Davis, like, when he's vomiting up, I shouldn't mix. Uh, why do I mix? I shouldn't mix. <laughs> and then. No, you, you really shouldn't. And then Sally, obviously, talking here about, you know, he's dated lots of people, been single, and he's scared, he's old, and. Talking about his, uh, you know, playing with his kids. Just a nice little scene here of Sully, like, questioning why he's getting married so old. And I kind of relate to Sully here, kind of just on my life at the moment. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like the bit where he's like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, chasing down fly balls. I'll be 60 years old. And a bit of Davis moment when he's like, oh, can you chase down fly balls now? <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Davis. Um, but I just, I just like the way that Davis is just kind of like here, like, oh, oh, hell, I wish I was going to marry you. Come here, give me a big old sloppy one. Uh, <laughs> and then probably just like my favorite bit, I swear this has to be ad-libbed. If we ever get Skip on the show and he eventually replies to our Twitter messages, hi Skip, if you're listening, um, the one that I want him to like say was completely ad-libbed is when that little like car thing's like going past him and he's like... Taxi! Taxi! Oh, I don't think he's going to stop. Like, it's just so funny. 
Um, I'm guessing oh, they filmed God. this in Atlantic City too, because I mean, this is oh, I've never been to Atlantic City, but it doesn't look like any part of New York I've seen. So, uh, anyway, uh, Brandy, anything to add on this? These are just fun little scenes here. Again, we're we're kind of laughing. This is a very serious episode. <laughs> Not as much. I am. Um... It's pretty much funny right now at the moment, and it does get ser- more serious. But yeah, yeah, you might as well enjoy the light-hearted moments while they're here. This, yeah, exactly. It's why it's handled yeah. so well, and this is what we talked a lot about last season about the balance of sort of comedy and serious. And like, you know, people watching this episode know what they're going to be seeing at a certain point in this show. So I mean, you, you can't avoid it. I mean, the whole world knows what's going on, and you know, October two thousand and one. Especially with this show. It's just called September 10th, and you keep sort of getting the graphics up on the screen of this is the day, this is the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of... It's, it's so beautifully crafted the way they do this. So, um, yeah, these light moments are just kind of fun little moments between the characters. Um, obviously, we kind of then get to uh, the first little graphic on the screen of September 11th, and we kind of get this room and there's lots of shit going on. And then uh, somebody walks to a TV and turns on a video game. Uh, and Sully's asleep and hungover. And it's, it's Sergey. Yeah. He's playing Nintendo. Um, interesting fact I found out about Sergey. And I had read this before. And I didn't know if either of you knew this. Uh, but the actor who plays uh, Sergey, so of course that is meant to be Tatiana's son. Um, he is actually, and I'm just trying to find this to confirm it. Um, duh, 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 duh. Uh, he's actually older than Savannah Husk, who plays his mum. I knew that was coming. So, I mean, just just the way just the way you said, just the way you introduced that, I was like, oh man. But like, yeah, no, say, you can't tell. Like, you cannot tell though. Like, it's it's you know. So, Aaron Stanford, who plays him, uh, is thirteen months older. Than Savannah Hask. So, um, it's kind of, it's funny, like, you know, you see these shows and, like, this mother and daughter, and, like, oh, they're actually only separated by, like, two years. But, like, to actually have the son older than Savannah Hask. But, like, you know, props to the makeup, or maybe they just hired Aaron Stanford because he looks young. Because um, he does look, I mean, he doesn't look 16 young. But um, he does look younger than Tatiana. So, anyway. Um. But I like this sort of little scene here where, you know, obviously Sully gets up and, uh, you know, has this nice little scene here with Tatiana and sort of she's in the shower and, uh, you know, just kind of like talking about what did you do last night? I had so much fun. We went to the show and I played the crabs. Oh, it's craps with a P. Uh, <laughs> and played then, the crabs. And she's just, what is she like? I bought sexy outfits for tomorrow night. Can I have a peek? Like, No. Um, and then, like, she gets the hair dryer, and he's just like, oh, I love you. What? Nothing. Like, it's cute. But can we just point out something here? Again, remember this scene, folks, because I'm blaming this scene right now for what happens in the future. He says, oh, I'm not meant to see you before the wedding. It's bad luck. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Can we just... Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not meant to see you before the wedding. It's bad luck. Can we just remember this scene uh, for next season? Yeah. <laughs> That's the reason what happens between yes. these two. Um, I'm not ready to talk about that episode yet. <laughs> but, Nor am I. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Uh, but it's cute. I love just... I love Tatiana so much. She's amazing. Um, 
So the next morning they're awake, and this is the whole like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Like, and again, like you're right, this is you know renowned that September 11 was a beautiful day. But obviously, you know, we kind of get lots of references to like they keep looking at the clock. It's like five past eight, and you know, oh, we've only got an hour to her off, and Jimmy's going to get the the boat and go out in the lake, and they're just going to have a nice day and all this sort of stuff, and. Obviously, we then cut back to Fred and Yokus in the uh, in the waiting room, and again, it's just like all the references here, like the time. You know, it's five past eight on September eleven. You know, and everything's fine. Um, yeah, and then forty come, minutes later, it's all gonna go to shit. And uh, you know, I mean, again, it's like I, as much as I say, like sometimes it's a bit cheesy with some of the little lines they say. But like, this is kind of like you know, it's just an everyday every person. You know, nobody's waking up going, "Oh shit, the world's gonna change today." Um, and then kind of like Fred in the waiting room, just like five minutes late. He's like, can you believe this person? Like, you know, uh, his time's more valuable than ours. Just Jokers is just like, it is. He went to medical school. Oh, do you think he's better than me? Are you saying he's better than me? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fred is like, yeah, my dad's like that. My dad is literally like Fred, just like complaining about everything. Like, he's like three minutes late and he's complaining. <laughs> Uh, I just love Yokus here just sitting there just like going like eh, whatever <laughs> like it's just you know. I mean, clearly Fred has never sat in a doctor's waiting room yeah you're almost never going to go back for your appointment on time yeah exactly I mean we've all been there we know doctors are always late and stuff like that I don't know if like you guys have it there but there was a um, they tried to push a law here for some time where they said if you were late to a doctor's appointment they were allowed to charge you double so everybody was like, okay, so if they're late for us, can we, like, charge them half? <laughs> so, you know, like, can we only pay half I do our bill? Seem to remember, I, I do seem to remember something like that going on at some point here in the U.S. I don't know if you remember hearing about anything like that, Brandy. I know. Um, I don't remember hearing anything, but I do know, like, I noticed over the years, it has become more like, if you're late, we charge you so so much. But if you miss your appointment, then you get charged this. I noticed that that's... It's mainly the common thing right there. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, we need to start We need to start charging them for being late for us. But, of course, we know that would never happen. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, even the dentists are doing it, too. So, I mean. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. But, uh, so, anyway, uh, we then get uh, back to Kim's house and, uh, you know, bang, 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 he's a mum. Uh, Kim! completely worried about yeah. her um you know she hasn't been answering the phone she was nearly going to call the police and but she's fine this is one of those rare occasions where like an actor or an actress actually looks like they've just woken up you know kim raver's not all glamorous and beautiful here she's got like disheveled hair she's just chilling around in a fdmy she's she's no oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah go. she still is beautiful this yeah is no i love it well no i love it though because like i like I like, I do, I will say, one thing that's not overdone is, like, their makeup in this show. It's not, like, totally, like, glamorous or anything like that. It's just your everyday people, and I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, just, I just, like, realize that. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I, agree. I mean, I sadly, it will change in the future seasons. But True. I mean, we'll get to that. But, uh, you know, again, sort of, we're still in the good, the really golden days here of Third Watch. It's kind of in the transitional seasons right now, so we shouldn't really be talking too far ahead. But, you know, obviously, she's worried for her, and... You know, Joey wanted to speak last night, and she's going to help her with the bill. Like, it's just a nice little scene here with Kim. Just obviously, she's still dealing with this sort of stuff, and you know, it's it's you know, are you seeing anybody? And it's like you know, basically, she goes off at her mum, and her mum just kind of walks out. I kind of feel for like Kim here because, like, I mean, I've been in situations like this where kind of you take it out on people. You don't mean to take it out on people. Like, you're not going out of your way to be like, "Fuck off, mum," 
but it's just you're in a headspace where you just you're not thinking straight, and then people obviously uh-huh. take it the wrong way. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. we're obviously then uh, back with the doctor. And, and the one thing I will say in terms of like the timeline with this that maybe doesn't necessarily play out in what we were saying in uh, and Zeus wept about how there maybe like be a three four month uh, sort of gap between these seasons is the fact that we do know that uh, Yokus is sent off for biopsy results and kind of we're only getting the results now. So unless there was a big backup in the New York biopsy result system, um, you know, it kind of there's a bit of a timeline discrepancy there, but you know, it's it's one of these ones that doesn't really matter. Um, so we obviously kind of get, you know, they're talking about the results here, and that uh, you know we we don't necessarily know, and they kind of need to have surgery, and Fred's obviously not too happy about this. Um, and then, you know, Fred, oh, why can't you say that it was wrong? Why can't you say that it was, you were wrong? You know, and he's just like, oh, it's probably nothing. Um, and then kind of Fred storms out. I just kind of like Yokus. He's upset. He needs some air. Just like, you know, she's just so calm. Like, this is the thing with, I th- um, correct me if I'm wrong, but does Yokus cry at any point in regards to this cancer scare? Like, I know she kind of breaks down after 9-11, but like, I just, I don't know if that's a combination of everything, but through all this kind of like, Yokus has or may have cancer scare, she doesn't seem to break down once about it. And like, then this is props to her character. No. You know, no, such a strong doesn't. female character that, you know, and I'm not saying it's wrong to cry, but, you know, they don't kind of go with, like, she's a different character to say to someone like Kim, who, like, you know, Kim's a strong character in her own right, but, you know, obviously Kim's handling her situation slightly differently because that's, I guess, Kim's personality. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just something so, random. What, did she cry when she had an abortion? I mean, I'm trying to think. Did she ever really... No, right. oh, she, when she she, like the only bit she really cried in was when Bosco kind of was like, "You lied to me, you lied to me." Yeah, that was basically. That's it. it. Yeah, I don't. That's weird. Yeah, I just noticed that. That's a good point. Yeah, and like, she also cried. She also cried at the end of. Well, this has nothing to do with the cancer, but she also cried at the end of Responsible Parties mm. back in season one. She, yeah, yeah, with the kids or teachers. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Not the yeah. biggest crier. Yokus, but uh, when she does, you know it's going to be... Oh, she obviously cried in um, Exposing Faith when she's getting a photo taken. Um, so, there was that. There a- you go. I mean, well, maybe, like you said, a combination of 9-11 and that, because, like, she didn't really have time to process it with mm. everything going on. So, I mean... Yeah, which is kind of, again, just- props to this season, too, and just how these people do yeah. handle this, because it is kind of a... It's a processing. This is why, obviously, this is a storyline that sort of never goes away. You know, we're going to see a lot of that with Bosco, you know, obviously Doc famously kind of moving forward, um, you know, and, and lots of these things. So, uh, anyway, speaking of Doc, uh, here he is. He's rocking up to his new apartment. Good old uh, Doc and his weird little T-shirt and his little baseball cap, looking all casual. Good on you, Doc. Um, he's got his little toolkit. <laughs> Do we like Doc's toolkit? <laughs> you know, little handyman Doc rocking up. Um <laughs> I don't know, just something funny about it. And he, you know, goes in his... Great cast iron. Yeah, really, like, scungy-looking apartment. So, if he's bought it, I hope he got it cheap. But, yeah, he cracks open the wall and great cast iron. He finds out the part, the pipes of that. So, Carlos was right about something for once. Um, then, this is... Obviously, we're really in the nitty-gritty now, this episode. Because this is the part that kind of, like... We're really sort of at this point where this is how they're going to address it. And we, we don't really see the time anymore. We saw the time just when Doc shows up to his apartment... But uh, obviously, you know, we we kind of get. What to was point. the time? Uh, like eight twenty, I think, or something on the screen. So Bosco's waking up. He's had his one night stand. Gets his pants on. He's in this nice looking, uh, you know, apartment. About to sneak out. You know, just a typical Bosco move. You can imagine he would do that. You know, cheating on his girlfriends with flight attendants and ski resorts and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
But uh, obviously the girl comes home. She's gone out and got coffee and bagels. And uh, I just got like random boss guy when he's in this apartment. He picks up like a photo and it's like this girl and he, her dad or something like that. And he's just kind of like, mm. um, but then uh, we find out it's just kind of like, <laughs> not quite there yet, Darvel. So he's, uh, you know, talking. <laughs> calm down, calm down. Okay, I'll, I'll do, I'll do it, I'll do it again when we get to it. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, but so we get uh, this conversation. I love how it's kind of like, oh. Where are we? Uh, my apartment. Oh, no, like in the city. <laughs> it's like uh, Mercer and Prince, uh, which he straight away is like, oh, we're in Soho. I mean, I guess he's a cop. He kind of knows all the streets. Now, I looked this up. Uh, these are actually two streets that do intersect in Soho. So, again, props to them to getting this accurate. It's not kind of like, you know, King and Arthur, which do not intersect in New York City, where Camelot is. Um, and kind of just looking at here on the map, it is very much in, within the vicinity of, uh, you know, uh, where the trade centers were. And then obviously, this is where Darvel, what do we get? And it's kind of one of these things that you just remember, because, like, it's just the way kind of like he's like, what was that? What was that? Runs to the window. And again, what they do so well in this episode is kind of like, it's not one of these things where they go out of their way to, like, show. What? Because we've all seen it, as we said last week. You know it. We've seen it so many times. And by, you know, October 22nd when this episode airs, no one wants to see that footage again because it's just been just terribly played over and over and over again. So it's just kind of, it's it's a case of the Jaws effect. You don't need to see it to be scared of it because you know what it is. Um, so then obviously we see that, then we've got, you know, Fred and Yokus on the train that kind of, you know, obviously stops the power stops and everything with sort of a jolt and Fred, you know, great. Uh, and then I just kind of like Yokus look on, look on her face. Um, then we're kind of in the firehouse and, you know, they've got a change of shift ready to go. And this is like, I mean, this is so well done because, you know, I read plenty of stories about this was actually a thing that, you know, firehouses were changing shifts just as it approached 9am because that's generally when the night shift would come off and the day shift would come on. So this is very accurate to what actually happened on the day. Uh, then they obviously get the call and they're kind of all rushing out and ready to go. And this is obviously where we get Kim, the phone, you know, turn on the TV, turn on the TV and just a slight little nitpick, just, if you listen to what her mum's saying and what Kim's saying, the conversations do not match up. <laughs> like, it just does not match up to how she's reacting to it. Anyway, so she turns on the TV and obviously she sees the attacks. And then we obviously get uh, Sully and Davis coming down the escalator, getting ready to get married, and they see everybody standing around the TV. They obviously see the footage and then they rush back to New York. So we only really do not see Carlos and uh, Doc's reaction. They're the only two that we don't see how they react to this, but I guess we don't necessarily need to see their reaction. We've got enough of that. And they obviously get this great sort of closing where, you know, we see the firefighters just screaming down, jumping down. We get Kim sprinting back. We've got Yokus running up the uh, the stairs, holding a badge out, getting ready to be picked up by the cops. And off goes the fire engine. It speeds off. And then we fade uh, fade out with all the cop cars and emergency vehicles speeding off. I mean, it's just, it's so beautifully yeah, done. Just- it's just, and that's all you need. Like we know where they're going to. We you, know you, what's happening. Yeah, you, yeah. We, you know, they're they're just. Pardon me for saying it like this. I mean, they're they're just tearing ass down there. Yeah, there's there's not. We don't need to see anything here because again, we all know yeah. what is what is happening here. So just so well done, and just like you can't ask for anything more from this episode. And if anybody complained that this glorified it, because I think John Wilson in that interview that some people had complaints that it was too soon and that sort of stuff. And again, it's like. 
There's no way that this show can escape a storyline around September 11th. No way. None at all. There's no way. And it wasn't glorified. He did it. He didn't. There was no Hollywood effects. It could have, you know what I mean? It was, it was, you know, I, think, I don't think there's any other better way he could have done it. Yeah. I mean, that ending, that ending alone gives me a chill every time. Like, just you, like, mentioned it, it was like, it just sent a chill up my spine. Because it was just, it's so powerful without having to go, like you said, into glorifying like the scene again like we all know what happens we've seen it many times on the news so they skipped it so i think he did the best that he could without stepping on people's toes and making them feel like that but you can't please everyone you know what i mean so. yeah you know i'd love to hear from some of the people who were yammering about how this is too soon and all that you know hey defend that yeah I mean, defend that. What 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 would you have done? There, I mean, there if, are people I guess who are going to say that. Like, what would you have done? There are people who are going to say like, look, it's too soon. We don't need shows like this back on air. And so, so, but it also comes to the point. You've got to move on at some point. You can't just sit around and and just you know dwell on everything. I mean, <laughs> rich coming from someone like me, but like I mean, this is you know, it's you've yeah. kind of got to move past and kind of jump forward and get back to everyday life because this is the thing. A lot of the thing that people don't realize with terrorism, it's not just about causing mass casualties and mass deaths. It's about creating fear inciting change exactly. into society. They're, they're wanting to, you know, bring that. That's why it's called terrorism. That's why there's a difference when one person goes on and kills 50 people as opposed to, you know, one man with a suicide vest blows up three people. You know, there's the difference between that and a shooting. That's why people always say, like, oh, a mass shooting, that's terrorism. No, it's not terrorism if it doesn't have a motive behind it. I'm sorry, there's a difference between a mass shooting and terrorism. That's just a quick little side note. But, like, terrorism yeah. has has side of things around it. And as part of society... The, their goal is to change it and incite fear. So you need to move on at some point and you need to be able to yeah. sit back and watch, kind of going back to watching your favourite TV shows or your favourite movies and things like that. And there is just no way Third Watch can avoid this. None at all. I actually saw an, an interview. This is another side thing. There's a, little, there's a little interview with John Michael Bolger up on YouTube as well that says that, Actually, right after nine, right after nine eleven, NBC was actually on the verge of pulling the plug on Third Watch right then and there. Which wouldn't surprise me, and it kind of, you know, in that I keep mentioning that that reunion video where they sort of, uh, you know, Ed Allen Benera says that they were always on the cusp of each season. Oh, are we coming back? Are we coming back? And it really would not surprise me if 9-11 did save it for a couple of seasons. That's kind of a, a, you don't want to say it was a good thing, because definitely, no way it was a good thing. And I mean, look, Third Watch is a show that, if they ended Third Watch at season two, I mean, it still, to me, is a great show. Uh, you know, am I glad we got six seasons? Of course I am. Even the, the crap oh, yeah. parts of season six, mm-hmm. are still, I'm glad that we're there. <laughs> You know, I'd still watch the crap episodes of season five, six, and that more so than a lot of other TV shows out there. You know, um, so, I think yeah. Third Watch was before its time, to be honest. You think what? I think Third Watch was before its time. I mean, because now... How do you, you mean? See, I mean, because, like, now you see shows like Third Watch being more popular. Like, we have that new cop show. Ben, you, you sent me a... Oh, no, I'm Yeah, we have that coming out. We have Chicago Med with Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. All these shows that are focusing on those themes now. And, like, back then, I feel like, like we said, like, Third Watch was, like, the one show to focus on all three. And I think, like, later on, they kind of went off course because that's what was going on TV at that time. It's just those 
special effects. Agreed. I mean, I think it was before its time in a way, like not a bad way. And I think it's, it's just I don't. Know. I agree, and this yeah. is the problem with the yeah. watch that I kind of think it never gets a credit for is the fact that yeah, completely right. And I think maybe a lot of people just focus on the later seasons of Third Watch. If you just look at Third Watch in a bubble from seasons five and six, then yeah, I can see why people just kind of label it as sort of like your generic cop show, and because there are definitely elements of that in five and six which I would agree with. But at the end of the day, go back and watch one, two, most of three, you know, parts of four. There is it's just like, it's, yeah. it's got that mix of what made ER so big. It's the characters and it's the, the, the sort of the, the likability, the scripts and that the, the stories like the, you know, the medical procedures in ER and then like the, the cop jobs and the fires, they're secondary to the characters. And that's what this show was so good at doing, but then kind of switched focus in the later seasons. So that's yeah, and- yeah, that's, that was, it's just, I just feel like if Dark Watchers come out now, it'd be so, it would, I mean, I don't. Want, it, it I would never be, want that. Be, but if it would came be, out now, it'd be like ten times popular, just because that's what's coming out now. All these shows focusing on all three parts, you know. Yeah, I mean, kind of goes back to Ben's interview with Michael Beach from a few years ago, right after Chicago Fire hit the airwaves, and incidentally, I think, and Michael Beach, he actually said something along the lines of, "I'm going to be bold here and say that I think NBC wishes they still had it." Mm. Which look. In this day and age of reboots, I guess nothing's impossible, but let's be honest, Third Watch is not in anyone's radar to being brought back. Even if 911 goes on to be the biggest TV show in the history of TV, I just, yeah. And and look, I'm going to be honest with you, and like I thought I'd never say this, but I don't want it to come back. I don't want them to redo this. Like, we've got a nice closure. We got got it, you know, beautifully wrapped up. And what can they do with this? You know, what can they... I mean, you know... Some of the main characters are, like, now, I mean, so... I mean, I don't want to go... But, you know, some of the main characters are just... They kind of close a chapter on each character, like, explain what they do. I mean, there's not much you can come back on. I mean, I like to think that by now, Carlos would probably be in Doc's old spot. Yeah. As the super... As the paramedic supervisor, maybe he... I don't know, just random idea, maybe... He trains a young, maybe he trains a young rookie that was exactly like he was, and because he's been there, he can guide this person. I don't know, mm. just a random fan fiction. <laughs> there yeah. we go, write something like that. <laughs> but, I mean, in terms of like seeing it on TV, I think one of the worst things that I don't care for, like, is like it's been way too long since it's been off the air. Yeah. And for them to come back, I just feel like some of the character dynamic and everything might be lost. There's, there's just because it's been so long. You know? There's 100 TV shows, 200, 300 TV shows that would even be like, you know, ER's coming back before Third Watch ever does. You know, like, just... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so many of these things. And it's like, it's, this is just one of these ones that I'm glad will probably never be done again. Because it's just... And that's, again, not to take away from my love of this show. It's always going to be my favourite, you know, TV show of all time. But... You just don't need to do anything more with this. I kind of like it's it's interesting, kind of how I've come around and like even some of you know the wasted parts of season six are just kind of. I'm still glad they're there, if you know what I mean. Like even just like the dumb mm-hmm. vampire storylines and things like that. It's kind of like you know, I'm still kind of glad yeah, they're yeah. there. Yeah. You know, sort of. I get you. I get you. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> See, I'll revisit that opinion in a few seasons' time. Um, but I will say, okay, so before we get to the evil review section, I was going to point out that to me, this is arguably a top 10 episode of Third Watch. And uh, oh, yes. IMDb, uh, our rankings, and this is one of the few ones that I will gladly say they agree with us. Uh, they've actually got this as the sixth best episode of Third Watch. I'd say that's about right. I mean, this is definitely a top 10 episode of Third Watch. And I mean, it's just. 
it's just so perfectly handled. It's just so perfectly handled. And as I keep saying, Third Watch did 9-11 fictionally better than anything else. Uh, you know, maybe United 93, but that's a different kettle of fish. But, like, at the end of the day, I'd even argue that Third Watch did a real-life event, you know, so better than... And, like, again, as we pointed out at the beginning of the episode, the fact that this was crafted in less than a month and put to air and just kind of just the way they've done it. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely a buy it from me, 100%, just jumping in right now. No question. No question. Yeah. I'm, we're all in agreement with the buy, I'm sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And we didn't even get to, and we didn't even introduce the evil review segment, but... We well, didn't. <laughs> there, they, uh, there was no need to, because... Yeah. I'm just quickly just quickly going on here. So, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Okay, so we've just got a couple of things interesting here to touch on. All right, so just on this review section, by me buying it, that's my 11th in a row. So, that equals my 11 in a row streak. Darvell, you've now cracked the 12 in a row. You've set a new record here by uh, buying 12 in a row. And obviously, if we count uh, Brandy's uh, two in the middle there with the self-importance of being Carlos and Honor... That's uh, that's fourteen in a row. So um, we are on a big streak. This is a big record here for the Oz Network in terms of consecutive buyouts for uh, a specific TV show. So Darvell, you're a record holder right now. Uh, Darvell and Brandy, you share the record at fourteen if you want to classify it that. And I've equaled my record All at right. eleven. So uh, congratulations. Look at us go here. This is this is again yeah. this show how good it is and how good of a streak we're in right now with how amazing this show is at the moment. Yep. Get some cake. And I, and I think we're yep. gonna, I think we're going to continue this for at least a few more episodes to come. So, oh yes, yeah. So here we go. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, perfect. So um, we're really in a good spot with this show at the moment. Um, and you know, uh, fast forward a few seasons, we might necessarily will be, but we're not there yet. Um, but next next week, <laughs> yeah, um, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We will next week. It's just back to Darvell and I. Sadly, Brandy won't be with us, but uh, we'll still talk about this at least just quickly. Uh, after time, it's you know kind of the sequel to September 10th. I mean, we get a lot more uh, dealing with 9/11. Again, another beautifully handled episode. Just kind of the reactions and just obviously a lot of kind of how these emergency service workers are dealing with it. Uh, we obviously learn a little bit into in regards to uh, Taylor and what's going on with her. Uh, we've got a bit around Kim sort of getting back to work. We kind of get a bit of a loose sort of, uh, set up when it comes to Davison and, uh, Taylor, what's going to happen a lot in this season. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's another great episode. I mean, there's not really a whole lot. It's again, it's just, it's kind of reactions to 9-11. So, uh, I mean, Brandy, Taylor, you're not going to be with us, but do you have much memories of this episode or anything to say on it? I don't, but I do know I'm going to watch them at one point just so I can see what's going on and I might bring them up the next time I'm on if it's not too like later on sure that these two episodes aired so yeah perfect uh Darvell much to add on uh after time no no not right now anyway but when we get to it perfect uh as always people subscribe to us on uh, all the relevant services, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else. You know where we are. And uh, as we continue on with Third Watch and uh, Third Season, we're doing well here. Uh, my name is Ben, and what can I say? I'm kind of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my name's Brandy, and I hope to see y'all. Look, hopefully, I'll be back on soon. <laughs> yeah, my name's Darville, and we hope you will be too, Brandy. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.